I got a question for you. When you were growing up, who did you want to be like? Come, come on. Who, who did you pretend to be and who did you want to be when you were growing up? If you had to answer that question, who would you say? I, my, my favorite baseball player growing up was a guy by the name of Johnny Bench. I wore number five in Little League and, and uh, Babe Ruth, and Johnny Bench was my man. Now, I never got to meet Johnny Bench until a year and a half ago when we went up to Smoltz's induction at Cooperstown. And we go through the whole weekend there, and it was such a great time, and we're getting ready to come back from uh, Cooperstown, and we were in Albany, uh, Albany uh, New York, getting ready to get on the plane, and I'm like, well, it's time to head back. And, and, and standing over by himself with a guy by the name of Al Kaline was Johnny Bench. And Foxworthy and his brother and Barb and I were walking down, and Johnny Bench goes, hey, Jeff Foxworthy. And Jeff goes, Johnny, what's up? And I'm like, no way. I'm about to meet Johnny Bench. Yes. I was so fired up. I couldn't believe it. And so we walk over, and I'm like, uh, just hanging. And Jeff goes, this is my buddy, Tim. He's like, hey, Tim, how you doing? I'm Johnny. I'm like, man, I always wanted to meet you. Al Kaline, my dad lived in Detroit for a period of time, and Al Kaline was kind of regarded as Mr. Tiger. And, and so when I was a little boy, my dad goes, my favorite player was Al Kaline. I'm standing right between Johnny Bench and Al Kaline with Mr. Redneck Foxworthy, but we got this picture there together. Who did you want to be like? Let, let, me, let me ask you maybe this, this, this question. Whose posters did you have on your wall? When Barb and I got married, no lie, this is great. When Barb and I got married, we went uh, down to see my mom and dad in Noonan, and we were going to stay in my brother's bedroom, and he had a poster of Paul Abdul. <laughs> now, I'm not saying he wanted to be like her, but I was not willing to show the poster he had today because we're in church, and I want to honor Jesus here today. But you remember those posters you had? I remember cutting them out and hanging things on the wall and mama getting all mad because I would take a stapler and just bam, whatever it took. And who did you want to be like? Did your parents, when you were growing up, ever want you to be like Jesus? You're a parent today. You look at your kids. Is really one of the goals and desires you have for your kids is that they would be like Jesus? Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that when God made man, he said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. So God's heartbeat from as far back as we can read the pages of scripture with the original design inside of man was to make us like himself. We're, we're like God that we have a, a spirit that's eternal. We're like God that we can think and reason and come up with solutions we're like God that we can receive love and give love. We're, we're like God that we can know what is right and wrong. You see, when God made Adam in the garden, the image of God was revealed on the life of Adam. In the image of God, Adam was made. When God takes the rib out of Adam and fashions together this woe man and creates Eve, they were walking in unity with God. Nothing disrupted. 
Nothing hindered their fellowship. They were in the image of God. Then Genesis 3 enters into the equation, and they willfully rejected God's assignment for them, and they sinned, and so the image was removed. The the image got removed in Genesis chapter 3, and something inside of man died, and it was his spirit, and his soul became distorted. Some 2,000 years ago, the image returned in the person of Jesus Christ. Full of grace and truth, he represented the heart of heaven. He is the exact radiance of God based on Hebrews 1. Now, for you and I, the image is restored when we come to personal faith in Christ and trusting him as Lord and Savior. See, God cares about image. God cares about likeness, and God cares about conforming each and every one of us into his likeness and image. Romans 8, 29, to those God foreknew, he also predestined to conform and shape them into the likeness of his son. I'm not going to play on predestination and election and foreknow here today, but I will tell you this. It is God's desire for every person to come to faith. It's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. It is God's desire for each and every one of us, once we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we are restored back into this harmonious, intimate relationship with him, God's desire is to shape us and mold us and conform us to be like Christ. That's what God wanted for you all the way back in Genesis. And so when you drive on the grounds today and you walk in here today, God is wanting to shape you and mold you and conform you to be like Jesus. That's what God wants. Now, I've played in the Southern culture for a while. I'm 54. And I've been around church. And I think a lot of people walk in here on a Sunday morning. And you walk in here and you would go, I I I like Jesus. I'm like, cool. I I admire Jesus. Yeah, good. But do you want to be like Jesus? Stop. Do I really want to be like him with humility and dependability and faithfulness and servanthood? To those he foreknew, he also predestined to conform them into the likeness of his son. I want to shape you to be like my boy. I love my boy so much, I want to fill heaven with a bunch of people just like him. Is that your desire? Because some of us come in here today and we go, I really think he's a cool savior. What do you mean by that? Well, he keeps me out of hell. And he offers me eternal life and abundant life. I I really like the hook-me-ups that Jesus gives me. He's a cool savior. But, But do you like him as a role model? Do do you like the suffering servant? Do do you like the betrayal, the rejection, and the love that leaked out of him even in the midst of conflict? That's the question. If we're going to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, we've got to ask ourselves, do I really want to be like Jesus? And it's not just the old... WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's the Holy Spirit now living inside of me with WIJD. What is Jesus doing? So I want to I honor the historical Christ, but I want to walk with the resurrected Christ 
What is Jesus doing? He's at will and, and he's at work to conform us to the likeness of himself. Now, I want to stay in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And if you got your bulletin, open it up, please. But all I'm going to do is jog through part of Ephesians 4. Now, I love expository teaching. I love to go verse by verse. I love to study the text within the context. I don't like to a la carte scripture. I don't like to cut and paste scripture. I like to stay with the text when we study the text. And if you ever study the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul's emphasizing who we are in Christ. His whole emphasis is on identity. This is who you are. You're in Christ. You once were dead in your trespasses, but God has has rescued you. And by his grace, you've been saved. And you're you're a new creature. And he even talks about in Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think according to the power that now works within you. He, he's given you a new identity. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6 talks about activity. This is how you're supposed to live now or behave now or walk now because you're a part of Jesus. Makes sense. First three, identity. The last three chapters are all about activity and how we're to live. Starting in verse 22, regarding your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. We're going to break this down. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which in the likeness and image of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and in truth. Lay aside and put on Lay aside and put on. Three major thoughts, I'll unpackage them. Becoming like Jesus. Recognize what you can be. Recognize what you can be. Two, release what you once were. Three, respond to what God is doing right now to grow you to become the person he desires you to be. There's not going to be a lot of Gatorade poured over people's head during these next 30 minutes. But this is going to be a contemplation time for each and every one of us. Because deep down inside, I believe what you're desperate for is that you're desperate to crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice, and you're desperate for God to conform you to be like Jesus. Deep down inside, we want to be the people that God has created us to be. So the first thing we've got to do is recognize what you can be. Now, he offers us a vision here for the future, if you will. He says that he gave pastors and teachers these gifts to equip God's people to do his work. What what are pastors and teachers, what what is their primary assignment? I, I want you to equip God's people to do the work of the kingdom. I want you to build up the body of Christ. That's what I want you to be about. So, as we walk in here today, that is what God has called me and my staff and our elders to be about. He goes, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we would mature and become full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature that's in Christ. What is God wanting to do in each and every one of us? He wants to grow us up. He wants to mature us. He wants us to become the people that he desires us to be. When you study Paul's writings, even Peter refers to this kind of terminology. 
You'll see words at times like uh, a child and children. And then you'll see words like growing up into adulthood and manhood and maturing. You'll see the progression that God is wanting us to have. Just as newborns, uh, newborn babes crave like the milk of the word, he goes on to talk about, I want you to, to long for the meat of the word. So, so here's the progression for us. Listen, listen to this. We were all born into the world in this kind of childhood mindset. We're irresponsible. We're totally reliant on other people, and we're impulsive. But as we start to grow, even physically, we move into adolescence. And that's where we start to kind of uh, scream some of our goals and dreams that we want in life. Yeah, yeah, we do that. And we want the, the freedoms of manhood with the responsibilities of childhood. We still are not growing. We're in stranded adolescence for a period of time. But God is... He's wanting to bring us to manhood where we slay our self-dependence and our self-gratification and our will. God is wanting to grow each and every one of us so that we become like responsible men and women. And then the heartbeat is that we would become mentors, meaning after we've started to grow and mature, we, we could start to walk alongside others that were in childhood or adolescence and see them grow. And then one day, hopefully, that we could become a patriarch, meaning we're, we're walking in adulthood and maturity and we're growing up, but a patriarch is able to send a, a message to a generation that's yet to be born because of character and integrity. That's what we want to be, right? Come on. That's what we want to be. So God has called us to say, I want you to grow them up. Back to the text. I want you to equip my people to do my work, and I want you to build up my people, the church, to do the work that I've called you to do. That's what, that's what you want us to do. Yes. So we make no apology here at the Cross of Loganville asking you to serve for like 75 minutes a week. There, there's a lot of opportunities with our kids and with our middle school and with our high school and greeters and parking or whatever. Why? Because when you start getting involved in doing part of the work, here's what, here's what happens. You start to grow. You start to give yourself away. You got 10,080 minutes in a week. So when we ask for 75 minutes, we're only asking for a very, 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 very small percentage of that. And people that give and people that serve and people that extend their lives out and the love of Christ to others, they start to mature. We got 13 guys right now down in Mexico. And I've been getting videos and photos all week of our team of guys, and they're down there serving, and they're down there working, and they're praying with people, and they're sharing their faith. And I can't wait for those guys to get back. Some of them, it's their first ever out of the country missional experience, and they're going to come back rocked, fired up. And I can't wait to hear the stories. You know, you, you know what? They're going to grow because they're out there serving. And if you want to know whether you're a maturing Christian or an immature Christian or just an adolescent Christian, when people ask you to serve or to give or to get involved, does it create joy in your soul or frustration? Because one of the signs of a maturing believer is, I find such great joy in serving the king. Chariots of fire. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When I serve, I feel the pleasure of God. When I wash feet, when I become broken bread and spilled out wine, God is wanting us to grow. 
And so you've got to recognize what God is doing. You've got to recognize what you can be. You don't have to stay in stranded adolescent. You don't have to stay on milk any longer. Now, Dallas Willard, my buddy Rick Bloomquist is big time into Willard, our student ministries pastor. But Willard kind of lays this out in his book, Renovation of the Heart. And he lays out a personal kind of a growth plan, if you will. And he mentions three things. He talks about vision. He talks about intention. And then he talks about means. Vision. If you cut me open, it's like, Tim, what is your vision for life? My vision is to embrace Jesus' gospel daily. From sun up to sundown, 365, 24-7, I, I want to embrace Jesus' gospel, the good news of who he is. I, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm inside of you. I want to direct you. I want to protect you. I want to lead you. So he's always with me, and he invites me to have this kingdom perspective, meaning no matter what I'm going through, he's always wanting to live his life in and through me. John 15, he wants me to learn to abide, saying, hey, let me lead through you right now. I was meeting with a brother this week, and he goes, what do I do? And I said, I don't know, but ask the Holy Spirit and Abba Father to show you what to do in the moment. God's so crazy about you. And it's the unscripted life that he's calling us to live where the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit is happening. And so my vision is to live a gospel-centered life going, I don't know what you want to do right now, but I want to be in your will. Does that make sense? I mean, when life is difficult, he's wanting to love you. He's wanting to lead you. He's wanting to direct everything about you. That's, that should be our vision for doing life every day. And so you look at the intent. What is it? I will rely on God's help to help me become the person he desires me to be. That is the intent of my soul. Now, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, I'm like you. I struggle at times with really relying on God. I like being in control. I like calling the shots. I like writing a strategy and an agenda and formula for how things are supposed to work at times. I, I, I think Tim is, is pretty smart on certain days. And God says, save it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're a donkey giving divinity a ride. You ain't nothing but a donkey. You're not that good. You need me. And so the intent as we walk with Jesus, Rick, even as Willard lays it out, is God, I got to lean into you. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. He, he, he's wanting to correct me. He's wanting to show me where to go, what to do as I do life. And then I got to have these means. I've got this gospel vision uh, of doing life. The intent is I want God to really shape me into the person he wants me to be. But then the means is I've got to have spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines, there's no shortcut to maturity. It's not instant or automatic in regards to growing. It takes time. I remember, again, 31 years ago when Walter encouraged me to start memorizing Scripture. He was my mentor. And I've memorized Scripture since then. And you go, I don't, I don't even know what to memorize. I remember when I first got saved, I memorized Romans 8.31. If God is for me, who can be against me? I just needed to know that God loved me and he was for me. And we love you and we're for you. But I remember like a year into it, I started memorizing Philippians 4. And when I went through my shoulder surgery and I was jacked up for about 18 months and I couldn't compete. I remember going, I want to memorize more than just a verse. I want to memorize chunks of scripture. And I started memorizing Philippians 4, like starting in verse 4, rejoice. 
in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And let your forbearing, gentle spirit be made known to all, for the Lord is near. I started memorizing this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And whatever is pure and whatever is right and holy and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy and whatever is of good report, let your mind dwell on these things. And I'm like, man, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then he writes, I just want you to know I've learned the secret of being content. I'm like, man, I need to be content. I mean, I want to play ball, and it seems like it's being taken away. My arm is jacked up. I want contentment. And Paul says, I want you to know you can get there. Because whether I'm fed or whether I'm hungry or whether I'm clothed or naked, I want you to know that Jesus is enough for me, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to know that my God will supply all of my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I started devouring the word. Why? Because it became a spiritual discipline to say, I've got to hide the word of God in my heart. I want to know God. I want to be conformed. When Jesus went through his 40 days in the wilderness and Satan came at him, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. Well, he's my model. He is the one that I want to be conformed to look like. And I'm like, yes. And, and, and that became a spiritual discipline. Are you still with it? Yes. You still memorizing? Yes. Verse or two a week? Yes. Why? Because I got to have it. I'm just like you, a beggar looking for bread. And if he is the great baker providing the great manna, I want to know everything he's got to say. I live in a world where logical arguments are not going to get me through. I need theological truth. Why settle? Come on. Here's another thing as far as a spiritual discipline, and I'll cruise through it. But choose to give thanks to God in prayer. No matter what you're going through, in all things, give thanks. If you study the Hebrew mindset under the Old Covenant and under the Old Testament, they prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And when they prayed, part of their prayer life, listen to this, listen to this. In the morning, they would give thanks for 18 different things in their life. At noon, they would give thanks for 18 different things in their life. At night, they would pause again and give thanks for 18 more things in life. Do the math, 54. And all of a sudden, you're going, really? When you start to go through life and the pressures and the pain and the trouble and the turmoil, and if you were pausing three times a day and just praising God and giving thanks no matter what was going on, how would it change your perspective? Y'all with it? Come on. And then another one for me was learning to trust God with the outcomes. I would get attached to outcomes. I would pray outcome-oriented prayers. And I learned that God wanted me to stay passionate about the process, but not attached to the outcome. He wanted me to trust that he knew what he was doing even in the midst of my struggle. I give you the outcome. I don't know where it's going to go, but I know who you are. I know you're faithful and you're good. Another thing for me was spend time blessing and encouraging other people. There, there's so many things that we could do every day to just speak a word of blessing over Carolyn or Ordy or Kimberly or Georgia or Brian or whoever, whoever we're dealing with. You're just like, look at you. I'm so proud of you. 
Y'all could have done that when you walked in today. Tim, I love your hair. I'm like, yes, I do too. I mean, I mean, I mean it was a teed up opportunity. Okay, Barb hates it. But you can bless people every day. If you can find something you don't like, you can also find something you do like. I mean, we can spend time. It became part of a spiritual discipline. Recognize what you can be. You can grow up. You can mature. Number two, release what you once were. I'm going to stay here for a second. Verse 17, I say this and I affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. Walk is one of Paul's favorite metaphors when you study the scripture. It means how you do life consistently. I affirm together with the Lord, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't talk like you used to talk. Don't go to the places you used to go to. What, 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 what's what he's saying? Don't walk like the Gentiles in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, they have become callous. They've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of purity, every form of greediness. He uses emphatic language when you start to study this. You remember what your life was like before Christ? You, you remember you pagans and heathens once upon a time, how you used to live? Drug and sex and alcohol and cheating and gambling and squandering. You, you remember? And he uses these words going, remember what you used to be like before Christ became Lord? Yes. Re remember what your life was like? And I think one of the things God is calling us to, even as new covenant believers, is this. Release the past. Get out of that junk. Futility of mind. You're not an intelligent thinker apart from Christ. Darkened in your understanding. Life doesn't make any sense because you're lost. You don't have the mind of Christ to appraise the things of God. Excluded from God. Remember when you were separated and alienated? Don't, don't act like that anymore. You were ignorant, hard-hearted, calloused, impure, greedy. That, that's who you used to be. So, so, here's one of the things, here's one of the things. Benji and I talk about this. Jesse and I talk about this, my, my boys. We talk about this. We talk about it. And I'll talk about it until I die. Release who you were, which means watch your playgrounds. What kind of arenas do you hang out in? When I got saved, God said, hey, hey, hey going back over there to that pub, man, for that, that dollar uh, picture night, dude, that, that's not where you need to be. I want to offer you living water. So I had to start unplugging from certain playgrounds, arenas that were corrupt. Well, that's where all my buddies are going. Well, that's not where I'm going. If I'm going to meet with them, I'm going to meet with them on a neutral playground. Release that stuff of your past. I wouldn't do anything for you. Playmates, who are you hanging out with? Your associates, the people that you end up spending time with, whether it's your, your guys or your gals, or who am I hanging out with? Are they going in the same direction? Are they starting to put on Christ, or, or are they still living corrupt? Then watch you play toys. What am I entertaining? What do I allow to be uh, the appetites of my flesh? Make sense? Because I'm telling you right now, you won't release it if you keep hanging out with bad play Mates in bad playgrounds with bad play toys. You've got to let it go. 
Now, I was studying this, and I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was very interesting. Paul is writing this letter to the believers in Ephesus. First century Ephesus was a trip. But first century Ephesus and 21st century Loganville had little differences. Sexual perversion, promiscuity, violence, alcoholism. That's what was happening in Ephesus. Loganville, Walton County, Gwinnett County, 21st century, sexual perversion, promiscuity, violence, alcoholism. Acts chapter 19, it paints the story. When the gospel started coming to Ephesus, there was a place called the Temple of Diana or the Temple of Artemis where people would go and worship. While they were there, it was absolutely pagan to the max. There was a God being worshipped by the name of Bacchus, who was a God of alcoholism. There was all of this pan-worship, pandemonium, which was sexual, all kind of twisted things going on. But they would go there and they would worship Bacchus through the bottle, through the cup. He says in Ephesians 5, don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery out of the word of Bacchus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wine leads to dissipation. It was happening there in Ephesus. It's happening here today. The men would go outside of the temple there. There was a library in Ephesus. And the guys would tell their wives that they were going to study. And they were going to associate for deeper learning. They would head to the libraries, and when you study it, there were tunnels out of the library underground that led to the brothels. They were studying. Sexual promiscuity, sexual perversion, alcoholism, violence. So Paul is writing to us as he writes to them. You, you got to release who you were. You got to quit walking like a Gentile, like a fool, like a lost pagan. You, you got to stop it. And I think one of the greatest obstacles for people that continue to come to church week after week is they've still got a grip and the world has still got a grip on them of where they used to be. Man, I'm telling you what, if you don't make a counterculture decision to totally go all in with Jesus, the culture is going to try to shape you, your peers, your co-workers, people around you. They want to pull you down. They want to suck you in. So what is Paul saying? You got to recognize what you can become, but you got to release what you used to be. You've got to turn. You've got to repent. Third thing would be this. You've got to respond to what God wants you to be every day. 20 and 21 of Ephesians 4, you have learned Christ. You were taught and heard about him, and you have learned the truth that is in Jesus. You've learned him. You've learned him. You've been taught. You've heard about him. And, 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 and the problem, the problem for so many of us is not that we haven't been taught. It's that he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. We haven't wanted to hear him. But it goes back to the original question. Seriously, 
And I say this in love because God wants to conform us into the likeness of Christ. Do I really like Jesus as a role model? Do I really want to be like him? Do I want to be known as a Jesus freak? Because as we do life, as we do life, the true me is going to leak out of me when the tension and pressures come. Acts 4.13, one of my favorite texts, and it says this. When they saw early church is just happening, the church has just been birthed, Holy Spirit has just fallen at Pentecost. Acts 4.13 says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they took note. Because they were unschooled, uneducated, unlearned dudes. But they took note because they realized these guys had been with Jesus. They were responding according to who they were hanging out with. Do you realize that you and I always reflect and people can notice who we've been hanging out with? You want to be like Jesus? There ain't no shortcuts. You want the Holy Spirit to totally infuse your life and transform who you are? There ain't no shortcuts. It's not instant or automatic. It'll be a lifelong process for each and every one of us. But God is looking today going, you've been shaped. God is desiring to shape you to be just like his son. If you've cried out to Jesus and asked him to save you, he's wanting to conform you and mold you to become the person he wants you to be. I hang out with Jesus in prayer. I hang out with Jesus in word. Hang out with Jesus in song and celebration and quantity and fellowship. Lord, what are you wanting to do to shape me to be more like you today? That's what he's saying. You learned him. You were taught him. He's truth. What are you saying? Jesus is the subject. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is the emphasis. God forbid that I should glory about anything other than Christ himself and him crucified. What is it about? It's about Jesus. So how do we move toward that? How do we move toward that? The message in the New Living Translation here captures 22 through 24 in a beautiful way. Three responsibilities daily for me. Listen to what he says in verse 22. We do not have the excuse of ignorance. The word ignorance comes from the root word ignore. You can't, you can't claim you're ignorant. Because if you claim you're ignorant, all you're claiming is you have chosen to ignore what God's truth is. He said... We don't have that excuse to use. Everything connected with that old way of life has to go. That old way of life, that alienated life, that separated life, the sensuality and pleasure and hardness of heart and being calloused and living in darkness, it's got to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of all that deceit. Then there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes, transformed thinking, Thinking about pure, right, holy, lovely. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There's got to be a renewal of your thoughts. Renew your mind. Then put on the new self, which in the likeness and image of God has been created to lead you to righteousness and holiness. God wants all of us living righteous and holy. God wants to infuse the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel inside of us so that when people squeeze us, they go, you look like your daddy. Yes. Abba. That's who I belong to. 
Yes, he's conforming me. He's doing it every day. Three words I wrote down. You've got to repent. Repent means I unplug from the less wild lovers. Repent means I totally, totally let go of whatever that junk was, and I'm plugging only into Jesus. I'm turning from my old ways. I'm turning to Jesus. I'm, I'm repenting. Repent. Change your source of where you're trying to find love and worth and acceptance. I got to start to rethink. I, I need to be transformed every day. I've got to see things from God's perspective. Last thing is I've got to renew. I've got to put the character of Christ on. So when I walked into the closet this morning and I was like, I'm, I'm going to wear this. I, I had a lot of different shirts in there that I could choose from. But I'm like, what are you going to put on? I'm like, I'm going to put this on. Because as I said out of the front side of this message, Colossians 3. Hey, Timmy, Timmy. Let the peace of Jesus rule you. Every time you walk past that shirt now, look up and say, let the peace of Jesus officiate your life, umpire your life, call the shots in your life. You're going to put something on every morning. You're going to put something on every day. You got to lay some stuff aside, but what are you going to put on? Are you going to put on the heart of the gospel, the vision of Jesus, and that's what he's calling us to. I want you to come to know me in a personal way. I just want to read this in closing. Part of Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. Listen to what he says. Put away all falsehood. Tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. Don't, don't lie anymore. Don't, don't be... Don't be fragmenting your disclosure. Tell your neighbor the truth. We belong to each other. Don't let the sun, this one is, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't, don't, don't sin by allowing this anger to well up inside of you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Yeah. Anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, Stop stealing. If you've been taking advantage of the government, you can work. You've been robbing God with your money. Stop, stop stealing, he says. Begin using your hands for honest work. Then be generous to bless other people. Don't use foul or abusive language. Listen, listen, the gossip and the slander and the belittling. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another just like God in Christ has forgiven you. Yes. Recognize what you can be. You can mature and grow up. You can be a warrior for the kingdom. Release who you used to be. We, we want to help you. 
with counseling or one-on-one marriage class, some of you walk in here and you're going, but I've got so much pain and shame. I know, but, but you've got to be willing to disclose it where we can walk with you and help you experience healing. And then respond to what God is doing to you right now. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is showing you. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is arousing certain things inside of you this morning. What do you need to repent from? I'm 31 and a half years into this faith journey. God, God, what is going on inside of me that I still need to repent, release, let go of? Where are you causing me to rethink maybe some things about life? Where do you want me to renew at today? Steve, we're still a work in process, brother. I don't care how long we've been in the journey. What is God saying to you? I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org. Or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.